0: mark chapter 2 please mark chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 mark chapter 2 verses 13 and 14. the gospel writer he writes uh, he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. In this series, I have already dealt with this passage, verses 13 and 14, and I'm not going to preach these two verses per se. The other message in which I dealt with 13 and 14 and dealt with the fact that Jesus calls us to follow him. He wants us to be his disciples. called Matthew to follow him as he did with all other disciples. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls us to follow him. But in another sense, we today, we will focus on who Jesus calls. Uh, The other times we focus on the fact that Jesus calls period Uh, but today we're going to focus on who Jesus calls and more specifically who he chooses to engage in conversation I think this is wonderful there is one question I am sure people who are, are not yet convinced about Jesus and his role in their life may ask and it is this Why don't those Christians join in with us when we get together? You know, when we are having our things, why is it that the Christians always say, I got to go home? But there's another question which rages in the back of the mind of some believers, and it is simply this. Should I spend any of my time with those unsaved folks whose ways are just simply repulsive to me? Why should I even be around them in the first place? These, of course, are not the only questions that people ask of themselves or ask of others if they had a chance. Uh, You see, part of the challenge with the church today, our church, any church, and I speak not of the building, as you know, because the church is not the building now, is it? The church is the people. So part of the problem the people of God have is that we find it difficult to engage in meaningful conversation, but just interact with plain old life stories with other folks. To be honest with you, it is a conversation that has taken me many years to work through, especially and more importantly as a pastor. You see, it is one thing to hang out with questionable people if you are just a regular uh, churchgoer, right? Uh, uh, People understand that. But what's going to happen if you see your pastor uh, talking to somebody that you don't even like and you say, why is the pastor hanging out with that person? See, uh, the cockwheels begin to roll around in our head and we begin to wonder, uh, what is he doing? What is he up to? Now, I'm not talking about if he's uh, over there getting drunk, right? Because if if your pastor... uh, And by your pastor, I'm talking about me. You're not going to see this happening unless someone tie me down and make me drunk, right? Uh, If your pastor is getting drunk with other folks, you know there is a problem with your pastor. Okay? So uh, you wouldn't be afraid to call me out now, would you? Uh, Let's try it again. You wouldn't be afraid to call me out if you found your pastor drunk, would you? All right, so don't get mad at me when I call you out. All right? Don't get mad at me when I call you out. I don't. Anyway, let's keep going. It was extremely challenging as a pastor, leader of a church, because people make wrongful assumptions about you. On the one hand, especially those that don't know your heart's. Most pastors, they don't have a a public relations firm or person to handle the crowd when the questions begin to arise. For the most part, there is no firewall for the pastor, Pastor Scott. You don't get a firewall. Whatever happens, we must take it head on and without filters. This, however, may not be the case or may be the case With the average believer, you are engaged every single day, a filterless society on the job, on the bus, on the train, in the store, your coworkers, uh, your your, your fellow students, unfiltered access to all those folks that don't know Jesus and want to talk any way they want to talk and act any way they want to act and think that you're okay with that. But here in our passage today, we were going to begin in verse 15. We're going to walk through a couple of things. This first point I want you to know about is called Jesus' engagement. Jesus' engagement. Mark chapter 2, verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners uh, and tax collectors, uh, said to his disciples, they didn't tell Jesus this, they told his disciples. Uh, So why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? You notice that uh, in verse uh, 16 it says that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors now it says he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Why does Jesus hang out with the spiritually undesirable? Why would our Lord and Savior, who is so holy, who now is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, who's full of glory and splendor, Uh, why would he want to hang out with those folks? The answer to this question, as you may know, is especially highlighted when we witness the call of Levi, the tax collector, to follow Jesus. You may know that uh, tax collectors were greatly disliked by folks. Well, I don't know, how many of you like tax collectors in here? How many of you feel real good when the tax collectors call you on the phone? Uh, some of you may have not ever gotten it before. I've gotten calls from tax collectors before, and the uh, first couple of times I got one, they said, oh, Mr. Spencer, we just have a question about something. We see this, and we couldn't understand it. What is this? And I tell them, I say, okay, thank you, and that's the end of that. I said, you know what, look, you ain't got to be calling me about that kind of stuff. You know, that get me all wrapped up in a tizzy and all this other stuff. And they started laughing on the phone. Oh, I don't like when I, when I see my phone ring and I see whatever comes up on that phone on the call ID, I'm just hoping that that's nothing but a scam. I don't want it to be real. So uh, you know how tax collectors are greatly disliked. and Most people in that society and in most uh, societies, but specifically in that society, they didn't like it because who the tax collectors were associated with, and also they didn't like their practices either. They were regarded as being in cahoots with the Romans, number one. They were despised by the religious people and this is what we see in our passage. And this reminds us of what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 17. You have to take a look here. Matthew 18, verse 17. When Jesus was talking about uh, church discipline and those who reject the discipline in the church, this is what he says Matthew 18, verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them... Tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So if they don't want to listen to the folks in the church, let them be to you like a Gentile and a tax collector. What? Jesus says have nothing to do with those who reject the discipline of the church, which seeks to bring wholeness and unity and harmony through the truth. Jesus says to relate to them as, uh, as if you would uh, a tax collector, but only if it's necessary. Hopefully, it'll never get to that point. You see, it was pretty common, a common occurrence for tax collectors that uh, not only would, let's say here at, in Cook County, your taxes are 4%. Amen. All those things are not as though they were. Now, let's say that your taxes are 4% and you receive that tax bill in the mail. So uh, the tax collector comes knocking on your door, right? And the tax collector uh, tells you that, oh, no, 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 no. Your taxes are not 4%. You, you owe 12%. And you like, well, my bills say only 4%. Tax tax collector said, no, 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 you don't get it. If you don't pay this 12%, you're gonna be in trouble. You're gonna be in trouble with me and everybody else. So you need to pay up. And you knowing in your heart that you really can't do anything about it, it's like, what do you do when you go before an unrighteous judge? You have the judge who's unrighteous, you have the lawyers who are unrighteous, you have the officers of the court who are unrighteous, and they tell you, you must do this, what are you going to do? So you pay up reluctantly. You see, uh, those additional fees that these tax collectors added on was for themselves. They said, I'm not going through all this without getting a little bit more out. Even though they got a salary, uh, they wanted a little bit more out of it. So they would tag on and tag on. So as you can possibly imagine, uh, this created a great deal of distrust and even hatred for these individuals. Now imagine what people would begin to think about Jesus. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who hung out, with people who were dishonest. But Jesus didn't only hang out with tax collectors. Jesus hung out with other sinners as well. The passage does not give us a specific list of those sinners, who they were, but according to Jesus' other designation, we can make a really good guess. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, Envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. These are the type of people that Jesus was dealing with on a daily basis. So we could go as far as asking ourselves this important question. How many of us would have been sitting at that table with Jesus as being classified as sinners? How many of us would have been there? And knowing what you know about Jesus today, uh, uh, would you have even cared what other folks thought about you or Jesus? The bottom line for us, all of us would have been sitting at that table and for all of us, the Pharisees and the scribes would have looked at Jesus and said, Why are you sitting there, Mr. Jesus? So, of course, all those who were wondering about Jesus already now have a bigger concern on their hands. If Jesus was supposed to be all righteous in everything, then, then why would he hang out with people like that? Some of you have been sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit want to hang out with you? Who are you? Who am I? It says that and the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, "Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? So as a person who loves righteousness, This is a serious concern about Jesus, who already is not from their club. You see, the Pharisees and the scribe, they thought they had their own righteousness going on, and then Jesus comes in the picture, and he's hanging out with other folks, and he's wondering, how come you're not a part of our club? Jesus, why aren't you a part of my club? They were probably asking themselves, Who in their right mind would want to hang out with a person like that? This, brothers and sisters, is a a, a very important question that we must ask ourselves. We, We must come to terms with this. Why? Well, let's start here. Who are some of the people you really just don't like? Come on. Now, you don't have to tell me, but I want you to think about that right now, and I don't want you to look at your neighbor either, right? Who are some of the people you just really don't like? I mean, you, you know what? You, you could not care if you ever, ever see them again a day in your life. Who are some of those people? Who are they? Go ahead. Make a quick mental note and and really get to the heart of that question for yourselves. What about that man or that woman who cheated you at the store? What about the person on your job who took credit for something that they didn't do and you know you did all the work? What about that person who has falsely accused you of something that you have never done Then what about the person who seems to make uh, lots of money off the backs of the poor by taking advantage of them in some way? It's always money flowing under the table. Would you be willing, and this is the question that we must ask also of ourselves, uh, would you, would me, would I, would be willing to set aside uh, what they did to us or what they are doing for a moment in order to be a representative of Jesus Christ? Come on, think of that person, right? That, you don't have to, and I know some, I know some of you got a, a whole lot of people you don't like, right? But, but I just want you to pick one person. And even with that issue not being resolved, would you sit down at the table with them, have a meal with them, and speak to them about Jesus Christ? Better yet, would you even want to hang out with them? Not just have dinner, but afterwards you say, you know what, then uh, let's just go to a concert. So in the previous section, Jesus has already proven himself as having the authority to forgive sins. Remember that? In Mark chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus says, but Uh, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Uh, He said this to the paralytic, and then after that he says, uh, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. And he speaks of this ability that he has the authority to forgive sins. Let's put this together now. So if you think about it, there is this smooth transition from Jesus proving uh, his authority to forgive sins into our current situation. Jesus proves his worth through his authoritative stance over the realm of an impossible physical disability. So, it would make sense to us all, uh, if you have the ability to, uh, to help people, wouldn't you want to be in a place where people could take advantage of your abilities? So again, Jesus says, I have the authority and the ability to forgive sins. So then, okay, why was Jesus then sitting at the table with sinners? What do you think Jesus was planning on doing? He was planning to forgive sins. The police, God bless their souls they show up in places where most of the time people want their help in an immediate time of need if you had an emergency at your house or on the street and you call the police you don't want to turn around and find the police at Dunkin Donuts would you you want them to be there to help you now this is exactly where Jesus is he shows up where people need him and oftentimes they, once they hear about them, Him, they want to invite Jesus into their sphere of living. And this is how He then responds to them. Mark in chapter two, this is verse 17, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Did this mean that Jesus was not calling the scribes and Pharisees because they themselves thought that they were righteous? They thought that they were okay. Did Jesus say this to exclude them because they were already righteous? No. It meant that all those who realized that they were sick or someone called their attention to them to say, you know what, you are sick and you are in need uh, of a Savior, uh, he called them all. See, unless you are convinced by your circumstances or by being persuaded by another, you will continue along the same path you have always walked. If you don't know that you are sick, then you're going to act like you are not sick unless someone points it out. Have you ever cut your finger or, or, or hurt yourself and you were bleeding and didn't know it? And then someone turned to you and said, You know what? You have a sore, you are sick right here. And you say, Oh, I didn't even know that. You see, Jesus, he's calling these folks and he's saying, You are sick. You are ill. And their response should be one of two things. They either either, yes, Jesus, I am sick. I am in need of a physician to heal me. Or it will be to reject him altogether. I'm not sick. I'm okay. What do you do? What do you do for a person who's bleeding profusely as they're walking down the street and you tell them there's something wrong with you and they look at you and say, ain't nothing wrong with me. But yet you can see them bleeding and and you would tell them, look at your leg, you are bleeding there. They say, there's nothing wrong with me. No blood there, I'm okay. A little something, I'll be all right. And you know they're not Okay. This is the very reason that the message of Jesus to the Pharisees and scribes kept falling on deaf ears. They did not understand the seriousness of their condition and therefore to the opposite approach of being confrontational towards Jesus. There is nothing like experiencing people who fight you when you try to help them. Amen? It Reminds me again of uh, sometimes uh, a certain kids when you try to put their, 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 their pampers or their diapers on. And they don't want to be diapered. They just want to walk around free and clear all in the house. And you want to have them, you need to lay down and let me put your diaper on. And they start fighting you and all this other stuff. like, no, 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 no. Because if we don't take care of this, you're going to create a big mess. See, people, one thing they don't understand, that when you point out their sin, you're telling them that you're making a big mess of yourself. That if you're not careful, uh, you're just going to end up in a place that you don't want to be and no one wants to be around you. So those who are willing uh, to interact with Jesus receive awards unspeakable. Those who remain ill and rejected his help would have been relegated to an eternity completely separated from God. In all of this, Jesus invited us to receive his cure for a spiritual sickness but then he also models the need for his people to enter the realm of the spiritually sick as well uh, please turn with me very quickly to first corinthians chapter 5 verse 9 first corinthians chapter 5 verse 9 and 10 First we saw Jesus' engagement, now we see Paul's encouragement. Verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Uh, Paul, he takes up this uh, this mantle and encourages believers to enter into uh, the realm where the unsaved exist. So in other words, it's like God giving us permission, it's okay uh, to talk to people, interact with people who are not acting or simply not saved. Here Paul, he was dealing with believers not associating themselves with other believers, Because they have made it up in their mind that they're going to go ahead and sin anyway. As a matter of fact, Paul says, some of you in the church, you sin even to a degree that folks in the world don't even sin. I was in uh, a conversation with someone uh, yesterday, and uh, I was having... uh, this talk and we began to talk about worship in the church and I began to ask a question about a a certain individual and uh, and 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 then when I asked a question about the certain individual I said I wanted to know whether this individual who does this worship here I just said I'm gonna be honest with you I want to know if this person is gay and this individual said what I said you heard me I want to know if this person is gay and to my surprise, they say, wow, so do you realize that is not the norm? That oftentimes in, in, in most churches, specifically they were uh, now, this, uh, in, in this case, indicating their own church where they were, do you not realize that, especially, especially dealing with worship, that in most places, that if you start asking questions like that, that you are shunned? that oftentimes they're looking for people who have those tendencies. Or they're looking for people that if you don't have those tendencies, that they think that they can break you down. They're looking for people just like that. And so this person says, so for you to ask me this question, uh, they told me I thought I was the only person out here. I thought I was the only person out here who really believes Scripture for what it is. You see, for those type of people, uh, Scripture says that we need to separate. But for those folks who who don't know any better, who live in the world, uh, Paul tells us we must enter their world, that it's okay you can be friend with someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, who's living all these different types of lifestyle. But know that your goal needs to be to lead them to Jesus Christ. Amen? That needs to be your goal. You have no reason to be afraid. Don't be afraid of all these folks who are supposed to be witches and and all this other stuff. If you know that your faith is strong, then you walk in the boldness of Jesus Christ. And don't let the devil intimidate you. But I tell you what, if you come out of a situation, right, let's say that you know that you have a propensity to overdo it with alcohol, right? You may not be the best person to be in the midst with a bunch of drunks. You may not be the right person unless god has truly delivered you if god has delivered you all the way then guess what you are probably the best person to be there so now paul says if we keep ourselves out of the world then who would take up the mantle to tell them about the goodness of christ So if we extract ourselves out of the world in your profession and in all your dealings, then who's going to tell the world about Jesus Christ? Who's going to do it? And I tell you, there is a, a, a world to be saved and Jesus Christ has called us to do it. To witness to the sexually immoral, the greedy, the swindlers, the idolaters, those folks who cheat you and treat you bad, that Jesus wants you to witness to them. These are the same type of people that you and I encounter every single day. And don't they make you tired? Matter of fact, you make you tired. Then finally, our involvement. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 16. 1 Timothy 1. Verse 16, uh, Paul says, but I received mercy for this reason. So Paul says, I received the mercy of God. Uh, I was once a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and I did all this stuff to believers, uh, people of the way, but God had mercy on me. And he says, God had mercy on me for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. Here it is, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You are it, brothers and sisters. You are the one that your family is waiting on. You are the one that folks on your job is waiting on. You are the person. You want to know who's supposed to witness? Go look in the mirror. You and I are here to be examples and to testify about Jesus to our world while living in the world. Like Jesus, Paul, and and Paul, we will encounter uh, the sexually immoral, the greedy, the swindlers, and the idolaters. At some given point in our uh, interactions with people, we are going to meet all types of folks. The question for us is, what will we do when we encounter them? Will we engage or will we exit? Will we engage or will we exit and flee? Again, I know there are some people whose main purpose is to drag you down in the gutter. I know that. And I'm not talking about them. You may not want to hang out with them. I'm talking about the people who are in a place that they are really trying to hear some spiritual voice speak to them. So because of the mercy that we have received, it's important that we become the example to those who need to trust in Christ. Jesus, who is God Almighty, was able to love people. What sense would it have made uh, for God to come in the flesh from heaven to earth to save people? But once he got here, he didn't want to be around people. wouldn't make any sense in the world. So what we learn in Mark about Jesus is his ability to interact with people who were considered not only the spiritual elite of the society but also uh, those who were the untouchables Jesus interacted with them all and that we see the compassion and the mercy of the Lord at work for people who probably would have remained as outsiders to that society Jesus know that he had no ill will towards people His main goal was to set people free and get them connected with God. So what do you think the Lord would have to do with you today about this message? What does the Lord want you to do with this message today? Well, I believe he wants us to begin implementing as soon as possible. As soon as we walk through these sacred doors, he wants us to implement this message into our lives. Did you realize that some of those tax collectors were baptized? Did you realize that? Luke chapter 3, verse 12. Final verse. But in this case, it was done unto John the Baptist. In other cases, I'm sure it was done unto Jesus. Because after all, look at Matthew. Luke chapter 3, verse 12. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. So we can make, I think, an honest assumption and understand that there were some tax collectors who were baptized. And guess what? The Lord wants to do greater things through you, through all of us, That believe it or not, we all can inflect change in our society. Let's pray.